Well, friends, we're nearing the end of a sermon series on the local church. Let me give us a brief rehash. We began in early September by thinking about the purpose of the church. Why do we even exist at all? And we thought all the way back to Genesis 1 and how God designed his creation, men and women, in the image of himself. And then he told Adam and Eve, go on, be fruitful and multiply thereby filling the world with image bearers that will bring glory to God. God's design for our world is to build a glory factory that reflects his glory back to him. Then we considered how in Adam and Eve's sin and in the sinful nature of everyone who follows after them, we've distorted this very good design. And then... We thought about that wonderful however. However, through the work of Jesus Christ, the church has been born, which is a new people, even called a new creation, whereby we proclaim the gospel, this new news that conforms people back into the image of Christ, thereby once again kind of restoring the original design and filling the world, being fruitful and multiplying Believers in Christ, image bearers who are being conformed back into the image of God. And so we thought about that as our big overarching purpose. To reflect the glory of our creator to the world around us. After that, we got down more into the nuts and bolts in in the following weeks. We considered how the global historical church is experienced by Christians in local manifestations of that global historical reality called local churches. And we spent several weeks studying three important biblical roles within the local church. The roles of church member, church elder, and church deacon. The the past two Sundays, then, we've sort of pivoted to consider the visible ordinances Jesus has commanded us to practice, ways to display our unity as those who belong to him and his body, the church. The first is baptism. A visible sign of entry into the new covenant people of God. And then second is the Lord's Supper. A repeated renewal of our identity in Jesus. So if you think about it, we started out with this grand vision. And then we followed it up with five studies on sort of the nuts and bolts of how that vision comes to be in the church. And so that leaves us then in these final two weeks asking how it all works together. How does this Jesus-designed church thing work? How do we as members of the body both mature and multiply? Because ultimately we know Jesus wants us to be sanctified and made holy and ready for his appearing. And ultimately we know Jesus wants us to be heralds of his good news, serving as his instruments in bringing people from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved Son. So the next two weeks, let's consider the working out of this church we've considered for for six weeks, the working out of the church in our lives. So today we'll think for a bit about how we grow within the church. And then next week, if the Lord wills, we'll think about how we can multiply as the church and make new disciples as we go on mission as the church. So how do we grow? Well, if every Christian has been reborn and made a new creation, if every Christian sort of starts as a spiritual sapling, 
a, a sprout of new spiritual life in Christ, Jesus has given us the church as his designed greenhouse for our spiritual growth. In the church, we grow into the image of our Savior and we help one another grow as we disciple each other and care for and watch over one another. So how do we do this? Well, for this morning, let's turn to Ephesians 4, which Daryl read for us earlier, and use this as our guiding text and try to give three answers to the question, how do we grow? And here they are. We grow by being equipped. We grow by being engaged. And we grow by being connected. We grow by being equipped, engaged, and connected. Those two last ones sound redundant, but they aren't. You just have to wait and see. So first, how do we grow? By being equipped. Look with me at Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. So leading up to this verse, Paul has shown how Jesus, as this conquering hero, that's the the quote from Psalm 68 there, this conquering hero has given gifts to his church. And he says in verse 7 that each member of the body, all y'all, have received gifts to use for the growth of the church. There are many different ways we can evaluate our gifts that come from the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't actually dig into that a whole lot today and talk about that amongst yourselves. But Paul gives us a sample list of gifts in verse 11. You see that? There he says, And Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So here are five different gifts Jesus has gifted his church. And they turn out to be gifted people, gifted leaders who are able to equip the saints to do the work of building up the body. Now, there are differing opinions on what this verse actually is teaching. So some see Paul laying out something similar to the office of church elder when he mentions those shepherds and teachers. Some would mix, would join those and call them shepherd teachers, kind of pretty much similar to the office of elder. Others see this list not as dealing with church offices per se, like here's the office of elder, here's the office of teacher, here's the office of evangelist, but mere, more, more broadly, giftings that different Christians will have and exercise in different ways within the church. So in other words, I think it's a helpful reminder that this passage might not only be talking about elders, but really, if you think about it, one doesn't need to be an elder to have a gift of shepherding, right? An elder is a shepherd, but I trust and I know that there's, there's more people in this church than Jack and I who have the gift of shepherding. Certainly, more people than Jack and I who have the gift of teaching. So let's keep that in mind. But having said that, I do think it's right to draw a direct application here to how our church functions in the relationship between our teachers, most often our elders, and our members. So if you recall several weeks ago, we considered the office of elder within the church. And in that study, we saw how the role of the elder is to teach, to protect, and to shepherd However, I think we can be reminded here from Ephesians 4 that the elder doesn't do all the ministry of the church. The leadership of the church doesn't do all the work of the ministry. No, those gifted in shepherding and teaching are called to equip the saints, 
each and every Christian to do the ministry. It brings to mind that quote I've referenced several times in this series from the pastor and author Jamie Dunlop, who says, Elders lead ministry, deacons facilitate ministry, and the congregation does ministry. Elders lead ministry, deacons facilitate ministry, the congregation does ministry. So when it comes to elders in particular, of course elders do ministry. But an important component of elder work is equipping Christians, church members, to do ministry. Richard Koken is the senior pastor of Dundonald Church in London. And he writes this, It has been said that churches can be like a soccer match. He's English, so soccer is the way to go. I think I actually substituted soccer for football here, but... It has been said that churches can be like a soccer match. 22,000 spectators desperately in need of some exercise and 22 players desperately in need of rest. Indeed, if we compare Sunday church to a soccer match, many people think of church as like a crowd of spectators, i.e. the congregation, gathering to watch expensive professional players, i.e. the pastors, playing the game. That is, doing their ministry of preaching and leading meetings, etc., etc., etc. But Koken goes on to show that what is really at work in the church, based off Ephesians 4, is that the player on the field is every Christian in the local church. The pastor elders are the player coaches, playing, but also pulling them back into the huddle, training them, instructing them, modeling the plays in the playbook, during timeouts, if they have timeouts in soccer. And who are the spectators then? If it's not you guys watching me right now who are the spectators, who does Koken believe are the spectators? Any guesses? The world. It's the unbelieving world watching us together in our unity and diversity display what the gospel's like. So elders and other gifted shepherds and teachers are equippers. They train up and deploy Christians to do the work of ministry. So Christian, do you pursue the equipping and training of your elders and teachers in this church? Do you seek their wisdom and insight? Do you heed their teaching and exhortation? Jesus has given you gifts in your local church for your good and the upbuilding of his body. How do we grow? By being equipped. Second, how do we grow? By being engaged. Look at verse 12. Paul writes that Jesus has given these gifted leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Christians are called to be engaged in building up the body of Christ. And what is the goal of this building up? Paul continues in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The goal is to mature in Christ as his church, to grow up from spiritual children in the church 
into a spiritual adult. On the road to that maturity, we grow and we build one another up, particularly with the gifts Jesus has given us. Again, we, we're going to mention these gifts, and you guys have probably taken gift inventories or, or Myers-Briggs or things like this to help you figure out your strengths and maybe how those strengths can, can go into the local church. But, and, and I would love to learn from you all on what's worked well for you there, but I would encourage you, as I read from James Montgomery Boyce this past week preparing, is to pray and, and, and ask the Lord to help you and then maybe just reach out to others in the church who know you and ask them, where am I gifted? Where do I fit in? How can I build up this local church? This is our call. Paul continues in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each work part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul's all about building up. Speaking the truth in love, uh, some people have, have interpreted this, you might have heard this before, as truthing in love, because there's not really in the original language the idea of speaking there. So it's even more than speaking, perhaps. It's doing, it's caring. But Paul definitely has speaking in mind. Look at verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good, what? For building up. Part of building up the local body of Christ is through our talk. Paul says, use it as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So church, how do we grow in Christ? We grow by being engaged in one another's lives, building each other up in truth and in love. We are members one of another in the body of Christ and so the growth of this local church in spiritual maturity into Christ is up to each one of us exercising our gifts given to us by Jesus and being engaged in loving one another in him. Each one of us. Look back at verse 7. Grace was given to each one of us. Each one of us, you, me, whether you're an elbow or an earlobe or a big toe or a kneecap, each one of us is important to the spiritual growth of this church. As we use our gifts and live lives pursuing Christ, we will benefit not only ourselves, but those to whom we're joined. So member of Loudoun Valley Baptist Church, your engagement or lack thereof with others in this church, will impact all of us. That's sobering. Church isn't just about you or your personal fulfillment or your personal preference. Church is about everyone together pursuing Christ. So are you using your gifts? Are you pursuing Christ with and in your church family? When we do membership interviews here. I, I like to encourage people that one of the best ways they can serve this local church is by pursuing their own personal holiness. It's easy to kind of bifurcate between our personal devotions and then our church involvement, but they're so connected because the health of the member 
influences the health of the body to which that member's joined. This is Jesus' design for his church. We all work together towards maturity in Christ. And so we need one another. We need the church. We need leaders to equip us. We need brothers and sisters who have committed to care for us. So friend, I don't know where you are right now, all of you. Maybe the, the busyness of life or the distractions of work or kids or home have dropped church engagement down the priority list for you at least during this season. And of course, your home and your responsibilities to your family are of utmost importance. But don't neglect the church. The church is Jesus' design for you to grow as a healthy plant in a greenhouse. As you commit to a body of believers engaged to care for you in truth and love. You miss out and everyone else misses out when you neglect this design. It's interesting, here in Ephesians, growth as a Christian is intimately connected and almost the same thing in Paul's mind to growth as a church. You see that? Paul talks about Christians as individual members of the body, but then what does he say grows? It's the body itself. We stunt our growth as Christians if we neglect the church. You know, one of the ways we can build up the church is by discipling and being discipled by others. The pastor and author Mark Dever has defined Christian discipling as deliberately doing spiritual good to someone so that he or she will be more like Christ. Deliberately doing spiritual good to someone so that he or she will be more like Christ. This builds up the body. So Loudon Valley Baptist Church member, run a self-diagnostic real quick. Are there others in this room, or in the membership directory as a whole, who aren't with us today, who are experiencing and receiving spiritual good because of you and your gifts? Have you engaged with one or two other brothers or sisters in this church in such a way that should they move on to another church family, they would keenly miss your investment in them for the sake of Christ? If so, thank you. You are working to build up this body for the glory of Christ. And just for the record, I see so many of you doing this. What about those of you who want to be discipled in this way? You want to be uh, invested in by another member of the church and help to grow in your love for Christ, but you don't know where to start. Well, for 10 of you, you can read that book this afternoon. It's a super fast read about how to get discipled in the church. But for all of us, for all of you, pray. And then pray some more. And then take a step. Talk to Jack or myself to see if we might have insight about who in this church could be particularly well-suited to be intentionally present in your life for your spiritual good. Perhaps you're looking for someone to disciple. If that's you, pray, and then pray some more, and then take a step. Ask someone in the church if they would like to read a book with you. Or hop on a phone call every Monday morning to pray. 
Ask someone if they could meet up once a week or come over to help you with your kids or a home project so you could talk about Jesus together as you work. And as these relationships grow, open up about your heart and where sin is tugging at you and start finding in the the body of Christ this freeing, beautiful art of confession, of getting real. What would hold you back? Pride, privacy. I assure you, pride and privacy will be totally gone when Jesus comes back. So why not get a head start now? You will be engaged in building up the body into the maturity of Christ. And remember that this is eternal work. Discipling and using our gifts for the building up of the church is an incredible privilege because it's an eternal privilege. Don't neglect it. Paul Tripp helps give us this bigger picture when he says, your life is much bigger than a good job and understanding spouse and non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than beautiful gardens, nice vacations, and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are part of something immense, something that began before you were born and will continue on after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into his kingdom and progressively changing them into his likeness. And he wants you to be a part of that. There is immense responsibility for each one of us to engage in the church and use our gifts to help grow the body into maturity in Christ. But underneath all of that, What really energizes this sort of growth? What helps us become more like Jesus? Really, who gets the job done? Praise God, it's not you. And it's not me. Third and finally this morning, how do we grow? By being connected. So perhaps you heard the title of that final point. You thought of a visitor kiosk in a church lobby or a small group ministry slogan like, get connected right here, y'all. That's kind of what I just talked about with engagement, right? What, What I mean here by being connected is Paul's metaphor. What is the body connected to? The head. That is our ultimate hope, is to be connected not merely to one another as members in a body, but to be connected to the source of all growth itself, the head who is Jesus. The church has been bought by the blood of the very Son of God, so of course he will see to it that his bride, his body, is purified, prepared for his return. Look there at verse 15 again. Paul says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every, in every way into him who is the head, into Christ." From whom the whole body, skipping ahead a little bit, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, Jesus is the head in this body imagery. He is the source. Without him, we're spiritually dead. But united to him, we have his blood, as it were, flowing through our veins. We live off him, in him, through him, for him, abiding in him. He's everything to us. 
I'm afraid much discouragement can assail the Christian who forgets this beautiful truth. That Jesus is the one who builds his church. That Jesus is the one who grows each one of us in our faith. That is the power of Christ the head from whom we receive the growth. That's what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. When he says, Jesus is the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. This, Christian, this church is of utmost encouragement to our weary souls. Sure, we've got to be obedient to building up the local church in which the Lord places us. Sure, we mustn't neglect the gathering, as Hebrews 10 puts it. Sure, we must not neglect our gifts and the way God has especially called and blessed us to build up his church. Sure, all that's true. But... What about when someone in your church hurts you? What about instead of constructive talk, it's destructive? What about that elder who refuses to equip you because they're too busy or, or you're just not worth it? What about when sin lodges in the local body of the church? What about when the top is torn off the greenhouse and havoc is wreaked, and you're left feeling alone and discouraged. Has the whole thing been ruined? Is everything lost? No. Because, friend, it's not you who has guaranteed the growth of the church. It is not God relying on you and your gifts to get us all the way home. It's the Lord of history laying down his life to purchase his church with his own blood. It is he who writes his name in permanent ink on the heavenly title of your salvation. It's he who owns us, he who loves us, he who has got us. And what comfort that brings. What motivation that brings. If it is a power of Christ that grows his people individually and corporately as a church, then we speak into each other's lives, we love one another, we build up one another in a winning effort. Jesus has already secured our destiny. It's now our joy to be conformed more and more into his image as we undergo the trajectory of our Savior through suffering and glory. If you're here and you're not a Christian, the Bible teaches that this world is corrupted by sin. And God designed it perfectly to glorify him, but each one of us has yanked the spotlight off of the creator and turned it around to shine brightly into our own eyes as the creature. This is called sin. It's called rebellion. And this is the reason there's so much pain and corruption in this world, because we're trying to run everything in our lives in a way the designer has not built it to run. But friend, Jesus came to redeem. He came to lay down his life and take the penalty for our sin on himself. On the cross, 2,000 years ago, the Son of God humbled himself to death under the judgment of his Father. He did this 
so that anyone who would look on his sacrifice with faith and repent of their sin, trusting that his death in their place was powerful to cover them, forgive them, save them, cleanse them forever, will be saved. Friend, if you have questions about that, talk to us afterwards. Connect during the week. We'd love to tell you that you can turn to Jesus and find new life eternally. And Christian, brother and sister, members of this local church, as you rest in the Lord's energizing power by his spirit that will build us up, are you engaged? Are you participating in the growth of this body? Are you building up the members of this church around you with your gifts, with words of encouragement and edification? Or has the church become sort of just a, we'll get to it, an add-on at the end of a busy week? Something you can come and take in and make some small talk and then just kind of move on. Brother or sister, if that's you, I completely get it. Every Christian has been there. But if that's you, I think you need to repent. You need to repent of neglecting this design of your Savior. And then after repenting, seek to get engaged in this wonderful activity of building up. Brothers and sisters, members of Loudoun Valley Baptist Church, look around. Every member of this church who is truly united to Christ is an important part of this body, and that includes you. You get to use your gifts to bless them, to grow them into Christ. So don't think that when you miss church, you're the one missing out only. Everyone's missing out. Don't do the Christian life alone. Don't be too busy for this eternally significant work. Be encouraged that the Lord will use you for the good of others. How do we grow? How do we grow in this, this church with this grand purpose led by elders, deacons, and the members themselves given the gifts of baptism in the Lord's Supper we grow by being equipped, engaged, and connected. May we grow continually in the churches Jesus has placed us in until we see him face to face. Let's pray.